Welcome to the Button to Christ Ministries podcast. Here you will find powerful messages from our ministry founder and president, Patrick Baker. You will also hear interviews and testimonies, all designed to encourage God's people to come higher in Christ Jesus and experience true power in Him. Join us every week on our prayer line every Tuesday and Friday morning at 5 a.m. and Tuesday and Friday nights at 7.30 and 9 p.m. respectively. All times are Eastern Standard Time. And now, without further ado, sit back and enjoy the Button to Christ Ministries podcast. Yes. Go ahead, my sister. Okay. Just over the mountain is the promised land. Lies the holy city built by God's own hand. As a weary footsteps can the mountain's crest, we can view our homeland of eternal rest. We are nearing home. We are nearing home. See the splendor gleaming from the dunes afar. See the glory streaming through the gates ajar. There we'll soon, we'll enter nevermore to Rome. Hear the angels singing, we are nearing home. We are nearing home. In the roles of the prophets, we have long been told. Of that wondrous city with its streets of gold. Now with raptured vision we can see it there. With its walls of jasper and its mansions fair. We are nearing home. We are nearing home. See the splendor gleaming from the dunes afar. See the glory streaming through the gates ajar. There will soon, we'll answer nevermore to Rome. Hear the angels singing, we are nearing home. We are nearing home. Those who enter that city are the faithful few. Who keep God's commandments, faith of Jesus too. There we lift our voices through the endless days in sweet songs of gladness and in psalms of praise. We are nearing home. We are nearing home. See the splendor gleaming from the dunes afar. See the glory streaming through the gates ajar. There will soon, we'll enter nevermore to Rome. Hear the angels singing, we are nearing home. We are nearing home. My brother, my sister, will you meet us there? In that land of sunshine where there'll be no care. Accept of God's message and to him be true. And when Jesus cometh, he will call for you. We are nearing home. Sing it with me. 
We are nearing home. See the splendor gleaming from the dunes afar. See the glory streaming through the gates ajar. Where we'll soon we'll enter, nevermore to roam. Hear the angels singing, we are nearing home. We are nearing home. Amen. Praise the Lord. We are nearing home indeed. Thank you, my sister, for blessing us with that beautiful, special music. At this time, everyone, it is time to hear the word, which will be brought by God's manservant, Pastor Saul. Good evening and happy Sabbath, Pastor Saul. Welcome to the prayer line tonight. Hello. Good evening, my dear sister. Can you hear me this evening? I can hear you loud and clear, Pastor. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. A very happy Sabbath to you, each and every one of you. Like the psalmist David, I declare again unto you, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, I will bless his holy name. We want to thank God for carrying us safely through another week. He has brought us on our way, so excited and uh, blessed to hear the testimonies. God is working in each of our lives. God is working to do miracles, though God is still answering prayers. God is still opening doors and making a way. God is able. Our God is able. And so may you be encouraged this evening as we receive God's word afresh and anew. You know, this week has been a very taxing and trying week. And I so look forward to Sabbath. I really yearn for Sabbath. And you know, as I think about it, it just seems uh, that like yesterday, we were together uh, on the prayer line, and it seems as if time just is fleeting by so quickly, and uh, we look forward to our time of fellowship and sharing together and and basking in God's presence and receiving his word. So I pray today in the name of Jesus that his word will speak to your hearts, will water your soul, will feed you and fill you, And that which you hunger and thirst for after righteousness will be satisfied today in Jesus' name. I invite you to pray with me as we consider and contemplate a brief meditation and devotional thought entitled, When the Brook Dries Up. When the Brook Dries Up. Let's pray together. O God of our salvation, in the name of Jesus, the only begotten Son, our only Savior, whom to know is life eternal. We come, Lord, waiting and expecting and trusting that, Lord, as we open your words, you will please open our minds and illuminate our minds. Lead us now and guide us through the Holy Spirit. May we receive your words with gladness and joy. May we live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We thank you, and we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. When the brook dries up, I don't know if you've ever been really thirsty before. Uh, I don't know when was the last time that you have been really, really thirsty. Uh, 
when last can you think of the time that you were really thirsty and you looked for something so refreshing, something so cold, something uh, so uh, so nice and, and frozen as it were, or something that can just so quench your thirst. You probably went looking for some some cold water, some fruit juice, and of course we don't drink pop because that's not good for us. But anyways, <laughs> that's part of the health message. But you know sometimes we like the little fizz. But 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 we were looking for something that could really uh, quench and and satisfy our thirst. I'm I'm thinking about a nice cold coconut. Come on, can I get a witness up in here? Coconut water is is, is so refreshing, uh, especially when you're parched and dry, and 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 you look forward, you look forward to drinking this 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 water. This this will that will quench your thirst, you know. And and it's at the point where you feel like you are going to just somehow give up or, or die of thirst until finally you are able to uh, secure something to drink and you just start to drink away and you begin to praise the Lord. You know, it, it's a wonderful thing. Um, I don't know if you've ever been to a desert, but I've been to a desert and, uh, and uh, we, we, were, we were not only just touring the desert, but we were walking through it and... Uh, we got a little bit lost, and we had to, we spent a little extra time there, and my water had run out, and I, I was opening my my little flask, uh, you know, not, it's not like a like a water bottle, but it's a, a flask. You fill it with water, and um, I, I took my last uh, my last gulp, and 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 I, you know when you hold the, the bottle, the flask, hoping more will come out, but all you get is a drip and the last drip, and that was it. That was it. I was in a very extreme situation. I was in a, in a very a dry situation. Um, I, had, I had run out of water. And, and what you do when, when you don't have water and you are dehydrated and it is hot and it's parched and uh, you don't seem to find any oasis or any source of water. Well, I want to take you to this powerful story that is all familiar to each and every one of us. When the brook dries up, I want to pick up the storyline in uh, 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 33. Here we get a little bit of the backdrop of the story as we get right into the crux of where we want to go. I, 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 33 says that Ahab, Bible says, and Ahab made a wooden image. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. What we see here is that Ahab was not just any uh, defiant king. He was one wicked king. And the difference is that he knew better, but he chose not to do better. He was one who had gone astray and against God's purposes. And here we find the prophet now coming onto the scene, the man of God, the messenger of God. The Bible says in chapter 17, verse 1, and Elijah, the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead, 
said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, except at my word. Verse 2 continues, Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Get away from here, and turn eastward, and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it shall be that you shall drink from the brook, I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. Somebody ought to say, Amen. This is powerful. Uh, even in the midst of this judgment and declaration, we see our God making provision for his children, for his child, for his servant, Elijah. So check it out. Here's scene one for each one of us. God sent Elijah a very unpopular message that he had to bear to King Ahab. He had to confront King Ahab and declare that no rain would fall on the land until the Lord gave the word. Judgment had come for a thousand wicked deeds that Ahab had done in the sight of the Lord. Then God instructed the prophet to leave, to flee, to hide, to get away and go to the brook Cherith. God had already gone ahead to make a way for him. You know, that's how God works in our lives, brothers and sisters. Let's take a moment right here, stick a pin for a moment. Let's think about when something is not right in our lives, when somehow uh, there is a word uh, that is a very serious word, and it may seem to also affect us. God also in the midst of that is able to take care of our needs. In other words, God would take care of Elijah uh, via ravens and feed him bread and, of course, water every morning and evening. And Elijah could drink water from the brook. The prophet simply had to do one thing, obey the word of the Lord. And that applies to each one of us here, to obey the word of the Lord. Now, it is beautiful when you think about this powerful story. It continues in, in verse so he went and did according to the word of the Lord. Did you hear that? We have to do according to the word of the Lord. We have to order our steps in God's way. We have to allow God to order our lives according to his word. We have to do according to the word of the Lord. The Bible says that he went and stayed by the brook chariot, which flows into the Jordan. And here is the amazing miraculous uh, piece in verse 6. The ravens brought him bread. Did you, did you hear that? Now, no, no, no. This is very, very interesting. The ravens brought him bread. Now, I, I'm just wondering, I'm just wondering, um, you know, you ever wonder what type of bird a raven is? You know, there are clean birds and there are unclean birds, you know, but the raven, the ravens, what the raven is a very unique bird. The raven is a very unique bird. It, it has actually this interesting uh, a beak. And um, it, it's, it's actually an interesting bird because it has the ability, uh, it, it's actually related to, you know, songbirds and crows and jays and the magpies. And they're very interesting because these ravens, according to, you know, those who study, um, you know, the birds and all of that, ornithology and all that they actually identify, according to these researchers, 
that ravens are very intelligent birds. And they have an amazing uh, tracking uh, ability. They have an ability to actually um, uh, be able to trace and, and know their direction really well. And so I'm just fascinated by why God chose a raven, but, you know, God knows what he's doing. God knows what is best for us. And so this raven, God commanded the raven to bring him bread and, and meat, of course, the bread and the bread from heaven, wherever it came from. It came, I believe, that came directly from the divine bakery of heaven. Somebody doesn't see what well, I hope somebody sees what I'm saying this evening. But God gave him fresh baked bread every morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. This is fascinating. You know, God can provide for us from any resource of his creation. I want to talk to somebody here today. God could have chosen some other means, but God cho chose birds, this raven, ravens to bring him his meal, to bring him his, his food, instead of him breakfast and dinner. He was on the two-meal-a-day diet. Can I get a witness? And he was able to find strength and energy from the menu that God provided. And what is amazing is that God, God can choose any resource of his creation to provide for us, for you and I any resource in this creation to make a provision for you and I. Now, something happens, though. Sometimes God provides for us. He also is strengthening, also qualifying our faith. Because sometimes we take for granted the blessings that come our way. And it's interesting that in verse 7, the Bible says, and, and it happened after a while, that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. The same prophetic and judgment declaration, the same prophetic word and judgment that he declared to Ahab now affects him. The Bible says that after a while, the brook dried up. Now, this is a very interesting contrast in the story. You would think that the brook would continue to provide an unending or unceasing uh, supply of water for God's servant. But even himself was affected by the drought. No rain in the land. So let me ask you a question this evening. What do you do when your brook dries up? What do you do when your brook dries up? Now, Elijah could have started... Uh, ranting and, um, and, and uh, raving. He could have started his uh, litany of complaints and criticism and say, but Lord, um, you just gave me uh, water and bread. And now why did the water dry up? Why did this brook dry up? How, how is it possible, Lord, that this brook dries up? And now I'm, I'm thirsty. But Elijah did not question God. Elijah was obedient because he knew that his God is able to provide for him. Now, now, I would like to call this strike number one. Strike number one. So stay with me now. Strike number one. So the book dries up. But I also want to share with you 
truth number one. So strike number one, the brook sometimes dries up in our lives. But here's the truth number one I'm going to share with you. Obeying God does not mean the brook will not dry up. Let me repeat that again. Obeying God does not mean our brook or our brooks won't dry up. Did it mean Elijah had sinned? Did it mean that he was out of God's will? Did it mean that God was displeased with him? No, no, no. I beg to differ. It meant that God had another place to take him. God had another plan reserved for him. God had another provision in store for him. Can I get a witness? No, you're not seeing what I'm saying. Sometimes when God blesses us, we think, okay, this is it. And let me hold on to this. This cannot run out. This cannot be, this cannot be uh, let go of. I, I cannot pry my hands off this. I own this blessing. I own this book. But God says, no, you don't own the book. The book belongs to me. But I want you not to become dependent upon the brook, but become dependent upon me. Don't become dependent upon the blessing, but become dependent upon the giver of the blessing. Can I get a witness up in here this evening? No, somebody ought to see what I'm saying this evening. Let's keep going now. If, if that wasn't bad, if that wasn't a bad situation, let's hear the word of the Lord in the next verse. Verse 8 says, Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. Now, hold on now. God is telling him to take a journey, a journey uh, that is several miles. In fact, um, apparently it was about 100 miles. And, and this place called Zarephath was actually a, a small Phoenician uh, town. And in this town, it was known for refining and smelting metals. Refining and smelting metals. But you would think that this would be a uh, booming little economy in this town. But there in this town that had this business and this industry, here is a widow. No, so God takes him from a, a dried up situation. Are you following with me? A dried up brook. His brook dried up and now sends him to a widow. A widow is often poor and, and unemployed and, and lacking resources. Now, you go to a widow, and a widow, of course, in, in those times, in Bible times, were looked down upon. They, they were... Widows, of course, who had desperate circumstances, and they did not have much to give. So God takes them from a dried-up situation into a now another desperate situation to actually um, say to him that a widow will provide for him. Now, logically speaking, the widow could barely provide for herself, and God says to him, the widow will provide for you. Now, can I talk to somebody? God's ways are past finding out. That's why Isaiah chapter 55 says that his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts 
higher than our thoughts. I can't understand, my brothers and sisters. I'm My mind is left in a quandary, as it were. Help me out this evening. Can you see what I'm saying? How how does God move us from a, a dried-up book when a book's dried up and says, okay, you go to a widow, to an importunate widow, a widow, of course, who has uh, little or no resources, and I will provide for you. I don't understand, but sometimes we don't have to understand. Simply, we just have to obey the word of the Lord. Okay, so let's talk about this for a moment. When the brook dried up, Elijah did not lose faith in God. He continued to place his trust in God. He removed, he was not placing his trust in the brook, but in God. And so the question is, when your brook dries up, what do you do? Let's go to scene number two as we described it. As he had to walk now a hundred miles to the city called Zarephath, there he was going to find this widow who would then provide for him. Now, now what's interesting is that when he got there, the Bible says he came to the gate of the city. This is verse 10. And indeed a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. Now, this is an interesting question and request. You, you see, do you see? Because his book dried up. And could you imagine after that long walk, our brother and God's servant, the man of God, the messenger of God, is Surely thirsty. Humanly, he's thirsty. So the first request is, please give me a cup of water. Verse 11 says, and as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So not only did he ask for water, but now he's asking for bread. Mercy. Verse 12. So he said, as the Lord your God lives, the the King James renders it as, as this, as the Lord liveth. I love that phrase. In fact, I really, I love that declaration. I love that expression. As the Lord lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat and die. But the widow of Zarephath, this was her last meal. How could she spare her last meal to give it away when this would be the last meal for herself and her son before they die? She was preparing a meal in preparation to die. Now, it would seem as if this is an inconsiderate an insensitive request. It, it, it doesn't really make sense that here Elijah's asking, he's putting himself first. Now watch this. Verse 13 says this, and Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from his purse. Come on now. I want to talk to somebody here today. Make me, make me a cake first. 
bake me a cake first. Now, this is interesting request that, of course, we find now Elijah saying, okay, go and continue to do what you need to do. But before you do that, please bake me a cake first and bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and your son. Verse 14 says, For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the Lord sends rain on the earth. Somebody ought to say amen. When we take God at his word, when we believe God, when we by faith trust God's word and we follow it and we obey it and we receive it, God will multiply our little and make it into much. I love that line that God takes our little and makes it into much. He is well able. And as the Lord liveth, the widow of Zarephath, the poor widow that was about to die, she was consigning her life to death. She obeyed the word of the Lord. And as the Lord liveth, her flower in the jar never, her flower never ran out, nor, nor did her oil jar of oil run empty. God is an amazing God. God is amazing. Here is uh, what I want to share with you as we think about this whole story. The end was, had come for the widow and her son, but Elijah insisted that she bake this bread for him first. See, God would take care of her by taking care of his business. Okay, you're not seeing what I'm saying. You see, when we take care of God's business, God will take care of our business. Okay, do, do I have a witness up in here this evening? And the Bible is so amazing that he would have an unending supply. Okay, you know, some people, they, they, they get these um, little, uh, you know, advertisements or these little flyers and say, okay, scratch and you could win a lifetime of gas or a lifetime supply of this. Listen, she didn't have to scratch anything. She just had to, of course, scrape her last little bit of flour and oil and give it to God. And God would now allow her this unending resource until the drought was over. Isn't this amazing? And, and the drought was going to last for three years. That's a long time to have unending supplies of flour and oil. God always provides for his children when we take him at his word. You see, the widow obeyed, and it was in her obedience by faith that the miracle happened. And Elijah had a place to stay, of course, in the widow's home. Here's truth number two I want to leave with you. Truth number one, obeying God does not mean the brook will not dry up. Number two is this. When your brook dries up, God prepares a Zarephath for you and I. Can you see it now? The widow and her son had food to eat. They did not die of starvation. Elijah had a room and a bed, and the prophet had someone to talk to, even a little boy. And at some time I could hear the prophet say, can you imagine to the widow, the best thing that happened to me was when the brook dried up. Mercy. You see, sometimes we get stuck in the brook, but God, while he blesses us at the brook, has to move us 
from the brook because you see, sometimes we get so complacent and comfortable at the brook that again, we depend only on the brook. So God says, no, I've got a thousand and one ways to provide and to bless you. And God is not limited. Let me talk to somebody here today. When your brook dries up, God can open up a riverbed. When a riverbed dries up, God can open up the Red Sea. When your Red Sea dries up, God can open up a boundless ocean for you and I because he is unlimited and his resources are inexhaustible. Somebody ought to say amen. So I want to talk to somebody here today. Your God and my God, he's bigger. He's bigger than our books. Can I talk to you? Today, this evening, my brothers and sisters, God did it for Elijah then. He could do it for you and I today. He's bigger than our dry books. Books. He's bigger than our lost job or unemployment. He's deeper than our disappointment. He's greater than our wounded spirit. God knows about a place that he prepares for us called Zarephath. I don't know what your Zarephath is, but if you follow God by faith, he will lead you there. And when you get there, he's already gone ahead of you to make provision. God is able. What an amazing and almighty God we serve. Then if number one, strike number one, the brook that dries up is not bad enough. Number two, strike number two, if, if a widow in Zarephath whose supplies are not only extremely low, but at the very end of running out is not bad enough. Something else happens. The Bible says in verse 17 of chapter 17 of 1 Kings, Now it happened that after these things, that the son of the woman who owned the house became sick. And his sickness was so serious that there was no breath left in him. Verse 18 said, So he said to Elijah, she said, this is the widow speaking to Elijah, what have I to do with you, O man of God? Have you come to bring my sin in remembrance, to my remembrance, and to kill my son? Now, watch this. This is a sad situation. They were going to previously die of starvation, but because of obedience to God's word through the prophet, she was able to have almost if, uh, well, no, I was going to say a lifetime supply, but an unending supply, of course, until the drought was over. That's a long time. But now, because her son dies, she believes it's some sin in her life. She believes it's something that she did wrong to God, and now the man of God who's staying with her has brought judgment upon her house, and now her sin is coming back, the very sin that Perhaps God forgave her of years and years ago that was buried in the, in the depths of the sea and forgotten. Now she feels that her sin is coming up again and her son is, is killed, has died just because of her past. Can I talk to somebody here today? That is not the God I serve. That's not the God we serve. God is not a vindictive God. God's name one day will be vindicated, but he's not a vindictive God. God does not hold our sins of the past that has been forgiven, for he says in Micah that he has cast our sins into the depths of the sea and remembers them no more. If we are faithful, 
The Bible says, if we confess our sins in First John chapter 1, verse 9, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is the God I know. This is the God I serve. This is the God I love. How about you this evening, my brothers and sisters? She had, she had a distorted view of God. You see, many people believe because when something happens to you, it is because you have met with God's displeasure and now God is meeting out punishment upon us. But that's not the God I've come to know over the years of my life. God, of course, does say that, of course, if we continue in sin, uh, sin has natural consequences. We know that. But God does not stand there or sit on the throne and then looks down to punish us. He sees our situation and he sees the condition of our heart. He knows who we are. So this is, this is her wrong picture of God. A very wrong, a very skewed view of God. Then verse 19 says, and he said to her, give me your son. I love it now. This is so beautiful. Elijah, the man of God, said, give me your son. So he took him out of her arms and carried him to the upper room where he was staying. Listen, brothers and sisters, you've all got to have an upper room. That's where, that's where prayers are answered. In the upper room, that's where unity takes place. In the upper room, that's where we commune with God. We've all got to have that upper room. He takes him now to that upper room where he was staying, and laid him on his own bed. Verse 20 says, Then he cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord my God, have you also brought tragedy on the widow with whom I lodged by killing her son? Elijah expresses his human condition. He knows God. He's walked with God. He's seen the hand of God. But here, we see Elijah empathizing. He's feeling the widow's pain. He's sighing and crying with the widow because he feels terribly sorry for what has happened. But he knows that his God is able. But yet in his humanity, he cries out to God. Touched with her feelings of pain and loss. And so he cries out, and I love what the Bible says in verse 21, and he stretched himself out on the child three times. Sometimes praying once is not enough. Sometimes praying twice is not enough, but you've got to pray more than once and twice and yeah, three times. I believe there's that special number, and sometimes more, but there's a powerful number in three. One for the Father, one for the Son, and one for the Holy Spirit, he prays three times and cries out to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, my God, I pray, let this child's soul come back to him. And verse 22 in the Bible says, Then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah and the soul of the child came back to him. And he was revived. Somehow there was divine CPR taking place right now. Divine cardiopulmonary resuscitation. God was able to restore the breath. He breathed that breath. You know, when someone is unconscious, we perform CPR, and we, it's a life-saving technique as we, as we breathe into them and we pump their chest. Yes, God brought back the breath of life to this young man. 
Verse 23 says, And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper room into the house and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son lives. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now, by this, I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord is in your mouth is the truth. Amen? What does God have to do for us to have such a testimony like the widow of Zarephath to declare that now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord is in your mouth is the truth. I want to bring you to this now final point. We talked about scene number one, scene number two, scene number three, or strike out number three. In the midst of all these miracles, here now, the widow's son takes ill and dies. And in her grief, she blames the prophet. She blames God. Can I talk to somebody? Some of you might be going through a very difficult situation right now. Some of you might be going through a deep and devastating loss and it has caused and struck grief in your heart. Sometimes we cry out and in our cries, in our humanity, we blame someone. We blame God. We blame uh, some situation or somebody else for what has happened to us, but God doesn't want us to do that. We don't need to blame God. We don't need to blame someone else. We've got to go to God and trust him. Here is truth number three. I shared with you truth number one. Number one was obeying God does not mean our brooks won't dry up. Truth number two, when our brook dries up or our cherished brook dries up, God prepares us there fast for you and I. And finally, truth number three, I want to leave with you this evening as we land the plane. Great blessings are usually preceded by great testings. Did you hear what I'm saying this evening? Great blessings from God usually is preceded by great testings. This was not just a tragic drama for the widow. It happened repeatedly uh, in many situations. It happens in our lives many times. And, and God always comes through. I know in my life when I've experienced great testings and trials, God has always come through to open doors that I cannot imagine by leading me by ways I know not and is not until after I fall on my knees and I humble myself and say, Lord, forgive me for being impatient. Forgive me for being so blind. Forgive me, Lord, for not trusting you. Forgive me, O oh Lord, for not holding on and believing by faith that you are well able to make uh, better now than what was, what was before me. And so what do you do when your brook dries up? What do you do when you've got to go to Zarephath? What do you do when something dies or someone dies in your life? Heaviness settles in our own soul. We don't know what to do. Do you quit on God? Do you murmur and complain? Do you blame God? you run away from God? Do you lose hope in God? Do you get bitter about God and bitter about God's word? Do you curse God and die? No. There is another place God is preparing for us, my brothers and sisters. Listen to the word of the Lord. God wants to take you to that upper room. When you are in that upper room with God, you have peace with God. You have oneness with God. 
you experience healing. Your prayers are answered when you are in that upper room. You are communing with the God of heaven. Why? Because in your communion, you have a strong and powerful union with the God of heaven. So I want to talk to somebody here today. When your book dries up, what do you do? I want you to fill in a blank this evening as I land the plane. God is greater than blank. Okay, you need to help me fill that out. Just where you are as you listen, as you ponder. God is greater than your blank. He's greater than Ahab's in your life. He's greater than the dried up books in your life. God is greater than the dead situations and, and the dead circumstances and the dead conditions in your life. God is greater than anything and anyone, and that's the truth I want to leave with everyone here this evening. You need to hear it as I hear it this evening, and I receive it. I don't know what is happening in the circle of your life right now, but I need you to know by the grace of God that he is greater. Go ahead and write it out. Fill in that like. God is greater than your blank. And God, whoever it is, and whatever it is, and whenever it is, and however it is, it does not matter to God because God is greater. And today I challenge you. I dare you to believe that your God is greater. I dare you to trust that your God is greater. God will fill in your blank. And if you believe it, God is able to do it uh, for Elijah. Then he did it and he will do it again. And he re-echoes. It in Isaiah chapter 33, verse 16, as we live in this pandemic period, do not fear, do not panic. Isaiah 33, verse 16 says, to answer the question, when your book dries up, here is the word of the Lord from Isaiah. He will dwell on high. His place of defense will be the fortress of rocks. Bread will be given him, and his waters will be sure. My God is able to provide for us when our drug book dries up, so I ask you today, will you trust God when your book dries up? May God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Bun to Christ Ministries podcast. We hope that you were blessed. Feel free to visit our website at buntochrist.com for more content and information. Also, feel free to contact us at buntochrist70 at gmail.com with your prayer requests or any questions you may have. May God richly bless you, and we'll see you next time.